Hey everybody, Yislike here. Thanks for tuning in today. Before we start the episode, I want to let you know that this podcast is brought to you by A Thousand Dreams, a developing adult liberal arts curriculum that celebrates transgression in most of its forms. Currently, the curriculum is comprised of a daily blog, four weekly podcasts, weekly multimedia lectures, a book vlog, lots of extra content on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and Pinterest, and a Patreon that includes exclusive content and early access to much of our regular content. You can access all of our content, including a link to our Patreon, from our central hub at a thousanddreams.org. Please send comments and questions about the curriculum to a thousanddreams.org at gmail.com. In the meantime, enjoy the show. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Meet the Rockadopolis. I'm Yislike Rockadopolis. And I am Lance Rockadopolis. So we're going to devote three episodes to our trip to LA. In today's episode, though, we're going to discuss our experience of me walking Lance down Santa Monica Boulevard on a leash in the city of West Hollywood in the middle of the day. And we're going to use this short but very powerful for us little adventure as an occasion for discussing in depth why we feel so deeply a desire to be comfortable being our kinky selves in public spaces. So first, we'll talk about our little strut down Santa Monica Boulevard. Then we'll share some of our thoughts and feelings about that experience And then we'll talk about why we both feel a strong desire to be able to practice our power exchange dynamic in public spaces. Okay, so the Santa Monica strut. We scheduled doing this strut for the second day that we would be in LA the day after we arrived. And we also had a lot of other things planned for that day. We started the day driving out from Santa Monica to San Marino, which is a small, very, very affluent city adjacent to Pasadena. And we had a very nice time at the Huntington. In fact, I believe Lance said that was the highlight of the whole trip for him. Do you still feel that way? Yes, absolutely stunning gardens. And we're kind of disappointed that we couldn't see all the um, exhibits, the art the museum were basically closed because of the Delta virus spreading rapidly throughout LA. But it was a beautiful day. And and I'm glad that you enjoyed the Huntington, which is one of my favorite places in the world. So then at about noon, we left the Huntington and we went to Canner's Deli on Fairfax, technically known as it turns out as Canner's Restaurant and Bakery. There's actually another Canner's Deli in LA, which blew my mind. It's not the Canner's Deli, though. And I I do have a history in Canner's, mainly from when I was in high school. I'd go there with my friends, usually in the middle of the night. A close friend of mine actually came out as gay to me at 2am in the morning at Canner's. So there's a lot of memories there. And it's 
Yeah, it's a Jewish deli and it's featured in a lot of episodes of Curb Your Enthusiasm because it's like the LA version of a New York Jewish deli. What did you think about Canners? I, I, I loved it. Even though it was a little bit touristy um, and, and much bigger than I expected for a deli, I got my smoked whitefish and that's all that I was concerned with. <laughs> that that was another highlight for me uh, for this trip. I was looking very much forward to getting me some authentic Jewish whitefish on a bagel. And we did bring home some very nice pastries, types of pastries that you're not going to find very many places. So that was nice. And then we went to the Schindler house. We were going to go to the Gamble house in Pasadena, but they were shut down because of fucking COVID. So we did end up going to a much smaller house that is known for its very interesting and influential architecture. Quite unique. It reminded me of like the Japanese architecture where you have the sliding doors and low ceilings. And it was very well hidden from the street. You basically can't see it from the street. Yeah, you'd never know there is anything special there. Right. Really. It was nestled in between two high rises. So it was kind of surprising yeah. to see. Yeah. So if you're interested in seeing pictures of the Huntington and the Schindler house that Lance and I took, um, you can certainly check us out at Meet the Rockadopolis on Instagram. So the Schindler House was in West Hollywood, and it was really just a few blocks away from Santa Monica Boulevard. As we mentioned in a previous podcast, I chose West Hollywood for our strut because I felt like that would be the safest place for us to be kinky in public, mainly because it was a gay district. So, Lance, um, why don't you tell us more about what you learned about West Hollywood uh, so you could talk more about it for the podcast? Sure. West Hollywood is considered one of the most prominent gay villages in the United States. It was incorporated in 1984. And in researching for this podcast, I was surprised by what a remarkable history it has. And being from the East Coast, I would have never have guessed or understood its illustrious place in history. It was first settled by Moses Hazeltine Sherman, a real estate developer in 19, excuse me, 1886. Over the course of time, it attracted film stars in the, in the early 1900s. It's also known for attracting and having a community of Russian Jewish emigres fleeing the Soviet Union. Also, Barney's Beanery is definitely worth mentioning. All of the older Golden Age Hollywood actors, such as Clark Gable, Errol Flynn, Judy Garland, and Rita Hayworth, were all regulars in their day. In or around 1953, John Anthony, one of the founders of the chain of gastropubs, a combination pub and eatery. Well, this guy put up a sign along the wall outside the bar that read, Faggots, stay out. Um, this obviously pissed off the gay community. And a gay activist group organized 
a zap, basically now known as a flash mob, I guess. But this was more of a political protest of the restaurant. Um, that happened in on February 7th, 1970. And they pushed for its removal. And it was very successful initially. That's, the sign basically came down that day. But it was put up again and taken down several times over the past 14 years. And the restaurant's matchbooks also bore the line. But that practice ended in December in 1984 when the community incorporated and the then mayor, Valerie Torino, and also the entire city council and gay rights activists marched into Barney's and relieved the wall of that offending sign. Other events, both infamous and famous, occurred in West Hollywood. They were one of the first towns to adopt a mandatory green building ordinance. It's also the first city in the United States to ban the sale of clothing with real animal fur. They have a reputation as a self-governed gay city and are um, spearheading progressive legislation and social changes for the LGBTQ community. The whole protest of Barney's sign is definitely a pivotal moment in history, and I kind of want that to happen for female-led relationships. I'll admit my cowardice in not wanting to be the center of attention of all that, but I do think something like that needs to happen for FLR to be more accepted. It's also notable for a lot of famous locations, such as the Schindler House that you mentioned that's famous for its architecture. There's a Sunset Strip that has hundreds of <laughs> famous places on it, and it attracted musicians in the 1960s and 70s. They've got the world-famous music venues like the Troubadour and the Whiskey A Go-Go. I did spend a fair amount of time in West Hollywood when I was in high school and in the summers when I was in college. My best friend actually was a cocktail waitress at the Whiskey A Go-Go. Unfortunately, that was during the hairband era. And so I'd go there and sit there and just sort of hang out with her when she was available. And it was like the worst imaginable music as far as I was concerned at the time. So anyway, that's... That's my experience there. Some of those hairbands are fun. So anyway, now I'm going to talk a tiny, tiny little bit about Santa Monica Boulevard itself. So please bear with me. Angelinos, that is people from Los Angeles, do tend to talk a lot about how they are getting to where they are going. They make fun of this cultural phenomenon on Saturday Night Live. And you can also see it everywhere in Brett Easton Ellis's novel, Less Than Zero. Some of you might be old enough to remember that novel and that movie. He's also the guy who wrote American Psycho. It seems like at least half of Less Than Zero, the book, is people driving around on different streets or freeways and talking about those streets and freeways. <laughs> It's not it's not a great read in my personal opinion. That said, I will make this quick. Santa Monica Boulevard is one of the long east-west arteries that starts at Ocean Avenue 
in Santa Monica, just above the Pacific Coast Highway, and ends up in the murky depths of somewhere no one from Santa Monica has ever heard of. Santa Monica Boulevard goes through the city of Santa Monica, of course, West LA, Beverly Hills, West Hollywood, Hollywood, East Hollywood, and ends after 14 miles where it merges with Sunset Boulevard in Silver Lake, a town I had never heard of until I lost my virginity there at the advanced age of 21 with a long overdue hate fuck that was anything but vanilla, though I would not have known how to label it at the time. Now, is that a topic for another podcast? Anything's possible. But Santa Monica Boulevard has been celebrated in many movies and TV shows, and in at least two songs, Randy Newman's I Love LA, and also, of course, Sheryl Crow's song All I Want to Do, which I allude to in the title of this episode. Both of those songs depict Santa Monica Boulevard as a seedy, sordid part of town, which may be less true these days as LA gets less affordable by the minute. But moving on, as it turns out, Santa Monica Boulevard was very close to the Schindler House, so when we got there, we headed east for a couple of miles, hoping we were going toward the open-minded segment of the artery, and pretty soon we did start to see rainbow flags in the windows of the stores and restaurants, and also a really cool-looking bookstore with some kind of weird, larger-than-life metallic mannequins in the window. Some kind of art installation, I'm guessing. And at that point, I'm beginning to feel more relaxed about what we're about to do. The fact is that probably like a lot of people, I usually have felt more comfortable in general in the gay districts I've visited than in other parts of of larger cities. This is especially true in New Orleans, but that's a story for another time. Yeah, I I would agree with that. I I felt most comfortable in New York and Greenwich Village and the whole New York University region. Yeah, it's pretty nice down there. So we are driving up Santa Monica Boulevard, going east, and... I don't see any rainbow flags. Oh, there's a rainbow flag. Just as I said that, I stand yeah. corrected. Okay, Monica West Hair Salon. Okay, let's keep going. Circus of Books. What is that? Oh, okay. I think it's. We're gonna do it. We saw a. All yeah, we're seeing stuff. Oh, look at all this. This is the place to be. Out of the closet thrift store. Okay. Time to look for parking. So I was never really seriously worried about getting arrested on our little walk of punishment in West Hollywood, but the thought had been in the back of my mind since we first started talking about this. I think that what I was probably really concerned about was being heckled or even scolded by strangers. So we get to what seems to us like a a good place on Santa Monica Boulevard to do our thing. We find a parking space and here's a little recording of me talking in the car. Okay, so I don't want to walk. So I don't want to take you for a walk too far from the car 
because I, if we have to run from the cops, <laughs> we gotta be close to the car, and then we'll have like a high speed, low speed chase, and no, that'll be something to ha- talk about. That's not gonna happen. What's gonna happen is nobody's gonna care, and nobody's gonna say anything. It's gonna look at us weird, maybe, if we're lucky. Yeah. Okay. Well, we'll see. You never know. Anything could happen. So we get out of the car, and I attach his leash to his collar, and we head towards Santa Monica Boulevard, walking on the sidewalk. Yeah, we parked about half a block away from Santa Monica. Parking was fairly easy to find. As soon as we got to Santa Monica Boulevard, uh, what do we see? But a guy that looks like a cop. Actually, it was a security guard. Um, Then we cross the street. Then we start walking south toward the uh, flags that we saw. Our first real encounter was with two gentlemen selling luggage. They were basically street hustlers. They had basically two bags in a wire basket for sale. They made some kind of comment like, I think they said, you both need this. And I I thought that they were referring to the bags. I don't know how you took it. The next encounter was with a panhandler for uh, like a few short steps away from the two hustlers, street hustlers. And he had a great chuckle, more like a laugh my fucking ass off moment. He was uh, greatly amused at uh, the sight of us. We reached that bookstore area and realized that we did not remember to bring our COVID masks. So we couldn't exactly just walk in without masks. So we decided to turn around. And I was kind of nervous because... I didn't want to encounter that homeless laughing dude, but it was so strange. Our return trip was very different. We encountered uh, another guy that volunteered to be your slave. He said he he wanted to join us. And you gave him a little encouragement initially by indicating that he should follow us. Um, But then things got, got a little uncomfortable. So you got rid of him. I remember that. On our way back, we saw two little old ladies sitting, waiting on the bus, and they were giving us quizzical looks on their faces. And then we went back to the car, and then I made a little recording in the car. So now we're going to go over that basic description of what happened, and we're going to talk about what it felt like for us as we were walking up and down. So first of all, for me, it felt like the whole thing took about three minutes. (laughs) How long did it actually take? It was about 20 minutes, actually, total. Um, 10 minutes each way. So we walk the half a block from the car and we get to Santa Monica Boulevard. And all of a sudden, I hear a Mm walkie-talkie behind me, like like two steps onto Santa Monica Boulevard with the leash in my hand. (laughs) And there's a cop behind us. And I'm like, oh, my God, like, it was just so ridiculous. And of course, it was not a cop. It was a security guard, you know, who just happened to be there. But I mean, that was that was the universe yeah. playing a joke on me. <laughs> I mean, come on. Right. But <laughs> given the fact that they're so progressive there, I don't think even a real cop would have given us the time of day <laughs> or, or hassled us in any way. And this guy certainly didn't either. Yeah. So when we were crossing the street, I was very aware of all the people stopped at the stoplight staring at us. Were they really, though? Yeah, they were. They were definitely looking at us. <laughs> hmm. 
And I was in such a heightened state of nervousness for whatever reason. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I I figured everyone was staring at us. Yeah, I, 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 I could tell that you were a little nervous. You were pulling on the leash down very hard. <laughs> I, I thought you were actually trying to hide the fact that we were. <laughs> I was on a leash. I wasn't. I just had so much. My muscles were very activated because I was so <laughs> stressed out. So we crossed the street and. The first people we encounter, I mean, people are just walking up and down the street. It wasn't that busy. It was like, what, like two in the afternoon, maybe? Some of them noticed us and some of them didn't. But the first interaction we had was with those two guys who were apparently selling bags. I knew they were selling something. I was so out of it that I couldn't really hear exactly what they were saying. You know, we're walking by and they're they're trying to get us to buy their two bags. They just had like apparently, according to you, Lance, they just had two <laughs> yeah, bags total that's, to that's sell. It. That's what they were selling. What they actually said was, um, you need this bag. No, you both need it. And what I heard was, No, you need to be our slaves. You both need to be our slaves. <laughs> <laughs> so I pick up the pace. And as I get past them, I put my arm up and flip them off behind my back. Because I thought that they were saying that I needed to be their slave and that that was rude. (laughs) And so that turned out to be like I had gotten everything wrong there. So how did you feel about those guys with the... Yeah, I was okay. I I didn't think that they even noticed that I was on a leash, to, to be honest. Did you see that jogger in those very short shorts? He was shirtless. <laughs> he passed us twice. I think so. Yeah. Was he following us? No, I, I think he was just checking <laughs> us out. So. Like, what the heck are these weirdos doing? <laughs> right. The obvious Midwesterners. <laughs> uh-huh. The only thing that was weird about us looking was the leash. Like, I had on a nice skirt because we were coming from the Huntington. I mean, we looked like tourists, basically, except for the leash. And so if I had been decked out in latex and you had been in a gimp suit, it would have been a very different thing. But it was almost weirder that it was just regular people in regular clothes doing a weird thing. Go ahead. Yeah. So what do you think about that that panhandler that basically started laughing and continued to laugh for a very long time? He's standing on the corner panhandling. And what do you remember exactly what he said? I don't remember him saying anything other than him just starting to laugh. We knew he was a panhandler. So he was saying, like, do you have any spare change? Some, And we ignored him, which normally if I had had change, I probably would have given it to him. But I'm, you know, again, it's a stressful situation. And then all of a sudden he just starts laughing a lot (laughs) like like not maniacally but like like way too loud and way too long of a laugh almost maniacal and i just thought it was great you know it was like there was a moment where i i'm like either he's laughing with us or he's laughing at us and i decided that he was laughing with us yeah he was laughing at me So then a little bit after that, maybe a block or so, we decided to turn around 
Yeah. He wasn't there. That's the, right? that's he, the weird thing about on. the trip, because we retraced our steps just a few minutes, and the situation just completely changed. The guys with the bags weren't there, and the, a new guy showed up. Okay, actually, the guys with the bags were there, because after the guy was laughing at us, and, and I was happy that he was laughing, I thought it was funny, too, I was in a much more relaxed mood. And so we turn around, and the guys with the bags are there, and I smile at them, and they give me this look, this smile, like like they're mock afraid of me. And they, they're smiling and shaking their head and putting one guy's putting his hands up like he's like, no way am I going to try to sell something to you, lady. You flipped me off. I felt bad about it. And I still feel bad about it. You know, the only reason I flipped them off was because I was just so nervous. Yeah, I was afraid of you because around that time, you said that you were going to have me walk on my hands and knees, which would have been even harder for me. And we did not end up doing that, unfortunately. So we walk another block and people are eating outside because of COVID. So, and this was true in Santa Monica City as well, is that restaurants are burning tables basically in the gutter. They'll have a little like floor platform that people are sitting on. So I'm walking along and there's, you know, a restaurant and there are a bunch of people sitting under this, you know, long canopy and that's the only place where I got what I felt were dirty looks from a couple of young women in their 20s. And I, I assumed that it was not because of my Colorado-ish attire, but because of the leash, but who knows. And then this guy is like, hey, I'll be your slave, just out of the blue. I'll be your slave. Hey. And so we walk past him. And I again, I reach my hand over my shoulder and I give him this like, come on thing with my hand, like waving him forward. And he starts to follow us. <laughs> so after about a block, I turn around and I'm like, I was just kidding. I was just kidding. And he keeps following us. And he follows us from an, for like, who knows how much more, at least another block. At, at least two blocks. Yes. <laughs> he was very interested. And I just tried to like ignore him. And then finally, I look back and I didn't see him anymore. And then we just, we went back and we saw the ladies on the park bench. And I just smiled sweetly at them because it was two sweet old ladies and I was totally relaxed. And then we got into the car and drove off. Yeah, it's interesting. You perceived more on the way back because you were more relaxed. <laughs> and mm -hmm. I, I was more nervous because of what you said and because of me anticipating the guy mocking me again. I observed less. I didn't see the people in the restaurant. So we did this thing. And in retrospect, it, it really wasn't that big of a deal. But the question does arise regarding why we want to be out about our power exchange relationship and why we desire so strongly to be able to enact our power exchange in public as we do in private. So in our next episode, we will be answering that question to the best of our ability, and we'll also be talking about some barriers to us achieving our goal of being able to be fully out about our relationship. Until then, thank you very much for joining us, and have a great week.